3: This is v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: We begin our number two of Big Bets here on v Dave Ross and Amal Shaw here at South Point Casino and Hotel in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. We're going to have Frank Schwab join us in a couple of minutes here to talk all things NFL. Tim Doyle is going to join us at the bottom of the hour to talk all things NBA. We were talking a little bit during the break, like, fashion trends, how, like, coaches, if you remember in the 90s, used to wear, like, starter jackets and turtlenecks. And then it just goes away for, like, a couple decades. I'm starting to see the turtleneck game make a small comeback in the sporting world. Was there ever a look that you liked that coaches, maybe – at? because, look, you see the athletes going to the podium. That is their time to shine. Whatever they want to do, man – that's where they do it and send their messages.
5: Yeah, it's working out very well for Cam Newton. <laughs> well, what did you see Kyler Murray a few weeks ago? Was what, that was like, he, what was he rocking? That like lime green suit that had like bell bottom pants? I, I'm still in shock by the slide on third down. I'm not worried about the pants. Did you guys see what James Harden wore for opening night? He had
4: slippers on. Like man full-on slippers, that Are, you only yeah. wear in the
6: house, and he wore them to the this, to, to the arena. I don't have problem with that one. I'm going to have to Google. I'm going to have to Google. You hey, mean, wear slippers. There's... Man's got to protect his feet. But slippers are not for outdoor <laughs> wear. Like, where, how, he can get outside. He's going to his car, and or, or his driver's driving him to the game or whatever, getting it dropped off, and he's walking 20 feet to the locker room where there's one camera that picks him up. So you think this is totally acceptable attire now for for and for any athlete? I don't know. I got to Google these flippers first. Yeah, I might be immediately apologize. Just, just check it go. out.
4: It, it was a, it was a stunning look, and then they went out and, and laid an egg in opening night. Like if you go out and win, like you can wear whatever you want, and then it becomes cool. When you lose and you look like an idiot before you get into your game uniform, I think people are going to start to take notice. I would agree with you, but. Uh... Not saying that James Harden looked like an idiot. I'm just saying my mom would have yelled at me if I'd left the house that way.
5: Well, let me tell you something. If you were making as much money as him, your mom would help you shop for those clothes. (laughs) I'm all for the sweatpants looks. It's
4: just not. Outdoor slippers. I I didn't know those were a thing. Uh, We are going to talk uh, NFL. And uh, until we get Frank on, I did want to bring up one game to your attention that I've noticed some subtle line changes. And it, it was because of what we saw last night. Because the Bears just whoosh, the Patriots up and down Foxborough last night, remember, 24 hours ago, the Cowboys were laying over double digits against those pesky Bears from Chicago. Now, I'm not saying this is recency bias, but people do look at it and go, oh, Bears have the number one rushing attack in the NFL. Cowboys, conversely, 20th in the league defending the run. All of a sudden, that number has dropped into single digits. Amal, is that a a public move to back the Bears, or do you think this is some real smart money here saying, yeah, Bears can
5: run the ball, Cowboys struggle to defend the run. This feels like a good correlated play. Well, I think, first of all, look, the one thing, and I made a mistake, I had the pass last night. Um, to me, the big thing in the NFL, and I was a little bit disappointed, I went with Newman, it was, just, it was more of a play against the Bears' offense. Mm-hmm. I generally am an opponent of... I'm a proponent of taking teams that are getting more than seven, and I'm an opponent of laying more than that number. And I think for me, this is just a play on the number here. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at what Fields was able to do. The couple of the fumbles that both quarterbacks had, uh, Fields in particular, I think it was due to the elements. Um, you know, the handoff, we saw the fumble by the Bears. I, I think that was one of those situations where elements came into play. But I, I, I get why people are looking at that. This Bears defense has not been bad. It's been the inability of the offense to execute, particularly in the red zone. Yesterday, they kicked four field goals against the Washington Commanders. They missed several opportunities there, three touchdowns there. So too many missed opportunities. All
4: right, by the way, a programming update we're going to have, Frank, in our next segment here. So let's continue the, the conversation here in the NFL. And again, that Bears number right now is nine and a half. Chicago's getting in Big D next week. That total is 43. And again, the Bears put up, what, 32 on the 33 last night? It's almost like you lose track after the game's out, out of balance.
5: 33. By the way, you know, if I didn't want to give up, it, the Bears took a knee at the end. They could have gotten 40. They could have. And you know what I would have done, though, if I was New England before that? I would have gotten a defensive holding call, so you would have forced them to take the knee. At least they did take the knee, but I was just like, I don't want to give up the points.
4: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ibra Fus actually uh, took it easy on Belichick there. They did have the opportunity to run it up. They did not do so. did not affect the total or the total was already long over by that point. Uh, a couple other games, and I'm all, this is something that you've really been on this year. And, again, we mentioned this yesterday. If you look at spreads in the NFL that are under three, okay, okay. under yep. that key number of three, two-and-a-half, two, one-and-a-half, two, one, one, it really hasn't come into play. There are two games on Sunday that would fit this criteria that I look at that are interesting to me, where you have a road favorite, small road favorite, yep. two games. Raiders are laying two right now. In the Big Easy against the Saints. And the Titans, winners of four in a row, are laying two against Houston in H-Town. Feel like, I'm not saying they're trappy, but normally these numbers are associated with potential traps out there. If there was a team that you think would fall into said trap, would it be more so the Raiders in New Orleans? Or would
5: it be the Titans at H-Town? I think it would be the Raiders against the Saints because I think the Saints have a good enough defense still to be able to slow this team down. The Saints have been decimated by injuries throughout the course of the season. Uh, that's the one area I have a concern for the Raiders. I think Tennessee is just head and shoulders above Houston. I don't mean that in a sense that they're just completely far better than everybody else. But um, when I look at this team, uh, they're just not one that. I want to back in terms of the Houston Texans. I'm really surprised. See, this goes back to Dave, the lack of respect the Tennessee is getting. They were two and a half last week against the Indianapolis Colts at home. Why? They, they should have been a three, three and a half point favorite in that matchup. Mm-hmm. They're getting no respect. You know, you saw a team like the Colts less than a field goal on the road. Now the Titans are only two against Texans. Should be three here all day, in my opinion. Um, again, if you're going to play the Texans, I would go money line, but I like Tennessee here, laying just the two points. Um, in that Saints game, I'm looking at the home dog there. And I tell you what, that's a team I would tease uh, with the plus six. I know you guys like to tease, so I just wanted to speak your language. Uh, (laughs) And then the the other game, to me, that's interesting. Hey, we all lost last night. Yeah, we did. Amal's right. I got burned on that last night, too, teasing down the Patriots. I, I just, I'm telling you, in the NFL, if you look at it, because, you know, everybody gets so alarmed. Oh, it's a half a point move. I don't know if I can better went from three to three and a half. If you're so concerned about the numbers and the game is that tight, then why are you not taking the points every time, right? It's a scenario where the well, points are such a premium. Yeah, Gil and I were having this conversation a bit
6: this morning on numbers game. All. It's the it's the look like te- you, you've you heard from a lot of people this year about how bad teasers have been. But it's, it's what you keep talking about. It's just when you're teasing down. If you're teasing
5: up, it mostly it's been a pretty good year for you, right? Well, think about it. Last night, uh, what was the score initially? Ten nothing. Ten nothing bears. Right. So if you were laying eight, eight and a half, or nine, was that the number with uh, the Patriots yeah. at the end? You're in a situation where well, you're down. You're You're down down 19. Yeah. Yeah, 18 or 19. You already know you're not getting the cover, right? Down three scores. This is not Alabama where Bryce Young's like, all right, listen, we'll get a quick six. We'll get a turnover. You're done. You're cooked. You're cooked. And so that's all I'm saying. When you get a teaser, imagine if you had teased the bears up last night, you're getting 14 to 15 points. That one's in the bank and earning interest. No question about it. And again,
4: these are, these are the pitfalls of teasing sometimes. And again, I, I will be one of those guys that Kelly and I've talked about here. I will do that in scenarios where to me, If, again, you get it underneath that field goal, I do think it's advantageous. If you are not really sure if the underdog has got a shot to win the game. The reason why I teased it is I did not think it was dead wrong that the Bears had a shot of winning the game last night. So I thought if there were two outcomes that were possible, would the Patriots blow out the Bears or the Bears winning? Never saw the scenario of the Bears blowing out the Patriots, which, of course, is what happened. That was the rationale there. But, again, clearly was on the wrong side. And to your point, Amal, figured that out very quickly in the game, that, uh-oh,
6: yeah. we're on the wrong side yeah, this we're, We were in trouble almost immediately. I, th- I think the one, you know, if we were doing holder fire here, I, the, I'm with you on the Tennessee game this week, Amal. I think I just – and I can't believe I'm even going to say this because it's not a quarterback I hold in high regard. But Ryan Tannehill does look
5: like he could be truly questionable this week. I think you need to keep an eye on those practice reports maybe the next couple days. I would agree with you, and I think that plays a little bit of a role into this number. But still, how much of a differential with Tannehill do you see then? And um, Willis. Thank you. Because there wasn't – I'll tell you one thing. They didn't win that game because of Tannehill last weekend. No. no I, I, and that's where – I'm not a big Tannehill guy
6: either, but it's like, man, this is – it's a lot to ask of Malik Willis still really really young, or early in his career. I, that would concern me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's the
4: best wide receiver in the history of the NFL to ever play quarterback. I would agree with you. Like they, they, like it's almost remarkable what he's been able to do, but not a guy that you want to go to war with, certainly in lane numbers. But it's almost that we talk about this a lot, trust factor with coaches. And Mike Vrabel is a coach that I trust, right? And so, again, number one seed last year in the AFC. Think about that. Over the Bills, they beat the Bills. Over uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, it's it's amazing what they've been able to coax out of that roster. A lot of part of, of that is Derrick Henry and a defense that you trust. That's got to be the formula again this week if you're going to back the Titans. To y'all's point, almost it's almost like the quarterback is. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but it's almost indifferent as to who is the quarterback, because if you're betting on the Titans, you're not betting on Malik Willis. You're not
5: betting on Ryan Tannehill. You're betting on Mike Vrabel, and you're betting on Derrick Henry, yeah. and you're betting on the defense. I would agree with you there. And when you look at this team, though, to me, the defense is still solid. They've had some injuries. We know that. But I'm telling you, man, when you've got the Titans, there's not a better feeling in the world when the 18-wheeler man. starts to pick up steam. It's like he made he's, he made that truck stop. Yep. He got the 300 gallons. He's ready to go once that fourth quarter starts going. You could see it because the runs were shorter in the first three quarters. And then after a while, when you got to take him down, he is so tough to bring down. The only thing that I would caution on the other
4: game we talked about with the Saints and the Raiders, speaking of running attacks, when the Raiders run the football with Josh Jacobs, he's nowhere near Derrick Henry. But I'm telling you, the reason why you're not seeing Waller do anything right now in the offense, Devontae Adams has been everything is advertised. The Raiders are sneaky good at running the football. I have told you I have a feeling about this team. I think they're starting to hit their stride. I thought they should have beaten the Chiefs. They had a really good second half last week. Man, if they could, if they stick to the basics there, I actually like their chances here of getting on a bit of a win streak.
5: Yeah, I think they got a, a good shot to be able to win this game. You talked about it earlier, but so we'll see what happens. All right, let's see how that one plays out when we come back.
4: Frank Schwab is going to join us to talk all things NFL and more. Come on back. It's Big Bets on a Tuesday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
7: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
6: VCN's Big
3: Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Get everything VEASAN has to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. Sign up now, get VEASAN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl, which includes our Pro Picks daily recap of the top plays made by a show host and guests. Pro tools like our exclusive betting splits, pro tips, actionable insights to help up your betting game, and deep dives daily. in betting reports in the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball with the World Series now on top. Plus our upcoming college basketball, college bowl, and Super Bowl betting guides give yourself an edge Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to get your $99 season special today. That is slash subscribe. Back alongside, I'm all Sean. Dave Ross here on Big Bets. Always a pleasure each and every Tuesday to welcome in our NFL and uh, covers uh, the NFL and does sports betting with Yahoo Sports. Of course, that is Frank Schwab. Frank, great to have you back on a Tuesday. We are now seven weeks in the – by the blink of an eye. Boom. Seven <laughs> weeks come and gone in the NFL. What is your biggest surprise so far in the National
8: Football League? I mean, it's it's not one team. It's that everybody seems to kind of stink. Like, I, I mean, I hate to be that way, but we're all kind of thinking it, right? Like, you have the top three teams that everybody knows. I do think the Cowboys are in that elite crew. I do. I, I think they're clear four. You go from five and you're starting to talk about, like, the Giants, the Bengals. Like, whoever you have as your fifth best team really doesn't even feel like a Super Bowl contender. And so we're stuck with a uh, with an NFL right now where where it seems like there's four contenders and that's it. And I mean, look, could the Ravens jump up? The, yeah, sure. The Bengals could if Burrow gets hot or, you know, if if the 49ers get it together. There's a few teams lingering, but I just think the fact that that we're stuck with this NFL where everybody seems to be 4 and 3, 3 and 4, 2 and 5, like it's just it's it's really not a it's It's parody, but almost at its worst because you can't trust any of these teams, teams like the Packers and Buccaneers have hit the wall. It's just I don't think it's it's great for the NFL because usually you like playoffs with intrigue and all that. But I think we're going to get into playoffs and see a lot of these teams that were just like, no, I I don't trust that the Seattle Seahawks are going to go anywhere this season in the playoffs. (laughs) Frank, I would agree with you and everything you said. That's why I thought in Survivor, we
5: only have 125 people remaining this year. I I didn't think anyone would go through the season undefeated because I thought there was a lot more parity in the league. You know, I'm usually congratulating you on your Milwaukee Bucks, but (laughs) hats off to you on this Minnesota Vikings team. All summer, you and I have talked, and you said you thought Minnesota was going to win this division. Tell me what you saw either in the Vikings or the regression that you saw with the Packers. I could tell you right now in a million years, I would have never thought Giants, Jets, and Commanders Green Bay's coming out
8: 0-3. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the Packers have kind of hit the wall a little bit harder than I thought. But the Packers, look, they were out in front of their skis last year. Their record wasn't indicative of who they were. Not that they were a bad team, but they were more like a 10-win team than a 13-win team. And then you take Devontae Adams out of that mix, and it just changes their offense. They never adequately replaced him. And I just thought kind of natural regression, this kind of ground-and-pound team, that, that's not really where you want to go And the Vikings, look, I mean, I'll be honest, the Vikings are, they're probably a paper champion right now, right? Like, they're one of those teams. Do you trust the Vikings? They they needed fourth-quarter rallies to beat the Lions and Bears at home. I mean, this is not a great Vikings team. But yet, they sit there, they're two and a half games up if the Buffalo Bills beat the Packers on Sunday and the Vikings take care of business against the Arizona Cardinals, the Vikings are three and a half games up by, by Halloween. And that's going to be hard for the Packers to come back on. So I feel pretty good about my Vikings uh, to win the North tickets. But honestly, I don't really trust them. I don't think there's a great Vikings team, but they're one of the few teams like the Giants, like the Jets, who've just had the coin flip on their side a few more times than not.
4: Yeah, no question about it. Talking to Frank Schwab, you can follow him on Twitter as I do at Yahoo Schwab. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about scoring because I look and I see one game so far, Frank, this week, that's under 40. That would be the Broncos and the Jaguars. That total is at 39 last week. There was a 37 and a half out there in the Jets and Broncos and didn't even get close. What is going on with the lack of scoring in this league when
8: every rule out there benefits the offenses? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's two things. And, One, I think defenses are caught up a little bit. I mean, this is a—it's a smart league. It really is. Maybe not the ownership level, but but most (laughs) of the coaches, most of the coaches are pretty smart, and they can adjust. And. it's not like college where they're just helpless to deal with the speed on the field. They're, they're going to say, all right, we're going to gonna we're gonna take this away from you. We're going to take that away from you. But I think the second thing is the quarterback play has been bad. Mm-hmm. It really has. And I'm not one of these guys that always complains about quarterback play. I thought two, three years ago was the golden age of quarterbacks. We had this young group coming in. We had these old guys who were still balling. But that's all kind of falling apart. you got the older guys who have really hit the wall. Matt Ryan gets benched. Brady looks average. Rodgers doesn't look like an MVP-level guy anymore. And I think what's really, and I wrote about this last week, what's really bothering the NFL right now is the class of 2021 quarterbacks have all busted. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just not good. Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Fields has shown a little bit here and there. Lance is hurt. Mac Jones got benched last night. Davis Mills turned into a pumpkin. So you have, you know, five, six teams in the league who are starting second-year quarterbacks, and, and they're all getting bad play out of those guys That's not good because this was supposed to be right. The class of 1983 all over again. Oh boy. Well, it hasn't been that. And so we are dealing with, you know, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks just kind of regressing Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford. It's just not been a great year for quarterbacks.
5: By the way, Frank, they were just trying to help you remember what Wisconsin looks like at quarterback play every Saturday. (laughs)
8: <laughs> man <laughs> it is so hard oh my goodness is that hard to watch it's
5: like Graham Mertz we had a bunch of Graham Mertzes I, out we there the really, we really do <laughs> oh,
3: oh. I, I, I'm, no,
5: not, gonna, I'm not, not going to pick on him it's <laughs> not that bad but I want to go to a bad situation right now and you mentioned the name uh, Russell Wilson in Denver he looks horrific. John Oops. Schneider and Pete Carroll knew what was going on. And I always say this. I go back to the Richard Seymour situation in New England years ago. When they traded him to the Raiders, when you draft a player, you develop him, and then you move on from him, you generally have the best insight into the player's talent and ability. And most times teams are right when they move on from that player. What does Denver do? They've signed Russell Wilson to this contract. He's got another year plus an additional five. They guaranteed about a buck sixty-five or so. I mean, Frank, this guy doesn't look like he could play in a pickup intramural game at University of
8: Denver. It looks so bad right now. And, and you know, I mean, the pick that they gave up, I think is sixth overall in draft oh. right now next year. The, one of the picks they gave up. They gave up a million picks. Yeah. And the contract, if you look at the contract, if they were to cut him in 2024, it's an $85 million dead cap hit. Oh. So they're not moving on from him before 2025, okay? So they're stuck. I, I, I mean, if you're the ownership group, and I'm out here obviously in Colorado, I, you know, fans were leaving the stadium when it was 16 to nine in the fourth quarter last week, like en masse, like, like they were down 28 points. The, the Waltons who just bought this team have to be saying, we just spent 4.65 billion on this. What is the solution? And somebody's going to get in their ear and say, well, if you we fire Nathaniel Hackett, the fans will be happy. So I don't think Hackett, look, I thought Broncos fans were crazy four weeks ago when they were like, Hackett needs to be fired right now. Well, we're here at the end of October, and I'm like, yeah, he's not surviving this season unless things really, really get better. And I don't see it getting better. He's going to be the scapegoat here, but maybe that helps. I, he he's he's obviously had his issues too. Maybe it helps Russell Wilson to have a better coach. But right now, the, the, those two moves, Hackett and Wilson, are looking like the kind of moves you make that you totally whip on and you sent your franchise back six, seven, eight years.
5: I would agree with you there. You mentioned Hackett there. Uh, when you look at this one, Dave, you know nepotism runs rampant in sports. To me, we knew Paul Can Hackett couldn't coach in L.A. Worst, sports wow. co- worst coach in L.A. sports history for the Trojans. So why are you hiring
4: this guy? It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, Frank. It's something I talked about last week on the show. You, you can't handle the truth. The, the NFL's got a quarterback crisis. And the guys yeah, that we does. thought you could depend on, yeah. like the Rodgerses and the Brady's and the Russell Wilson's, you can't trust. And the betting market reflects it, Frank. There's two quarterbacks they seem to trust. That's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Outside of that, it feels like a crapshoot. Do you trust Jalen Hurts? Now, uh, in the NFC side, after what the Eagles have done now, coming off the
8: bye, they're going to take on the Steelers this week. Is that a trustable betting quarterback? I think so because of what's around him, honestly. And it's all, look, you could win big with mediocre quarterbacks. You really can. Like, I mean, look. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo was a hair's length away from winning a Super Bowl. You could do that if you have a great team around him. And the Eagles got a great team around Jalen Hurts. And I do think Hurts is good. Like, I don't think he's just a guy who's being dragged along. I don't know if he's up in that Mahomes-Allen tier. But do I do I trust him personally? Eh, I don't know about that. But do I trust the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, yeah, I do. I think it's a great team. I think that they could win a Super Bowl. I think they will go to a Super Bowl out of the NFC. Like who's going to beat them, I guess. So when you ask, you know, do I trust Jalen Hurts betting on him? It's a little more complicated than that, I think, because I just think the team around him is so good. And he's good enough that they really can't fail.
4: I totally agree. Got about 90 seconds to go here with Frank Schwab. Frank, very quickly, because we mentioned it here, it feels like the Bills in Kansas City and the AFC and the NFC, maybe the Cowboys and Eagles uh, at the top of the list, the Giants still trying to garner some more respect. When I look at a team like the Bengals, because I know everybody waits for the Ravens to get their act together, right? What about the Bengals? Are they starting to hit their stride after an 0-2 start? Is, do they
8: actually have staying power 12-1 to right now to win the AFC? I think so. If they were in the NFC, I'd be a lot higher on them. I just don't think anybody's beaten the Bills or Chiefs this year. Those two teams are runaway trains, but maybe I would have said the same last year, too. The Bengals, one thing that has happened with the Bengals is their line has come together, Mm -hmm. and we all had problems with that, you know, first few weeks, but... The same thing happened with Kansas City last year. And about this time of year, that line started to play really, really well. It's the one position where you need a little bit of time, a little bit of chemistry. That's come along for the Bengals. We know the talent's there. So, yeah, I I like the Bengals. I think they're good. I I, I think the Ravens are finally going to start holding leads at some point. But the Bengals are one of those teams that could come on in the second half.
4: Frank, we look forward to the conversation each and every week, my friend. Appreciate your time, as always. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Frank Schwab. Everybody, again, follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. When we come back, buckle up, America. Tim Doyle going to join the program next to talk all things NBA. Get his evaluations after one league, one week in the association. Come on back. It is Big Bets here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: VCN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VCN. The sports betting network
4: get in on the football action this season with a hulu plus live tv football extravaganza compete free for a share of 55,000 in two ways predict what's going to happen in three college football pools then make your picks for eight fantasy nfl contests head to draftkingscom slash hulu nfl now to play for free hulu plus live tv it's like cable just a little bit better Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for the details. Back alongside them all, Shaw, Dave Ross here. You know, Stephanie came in. She does a good job uh, producing the final countdown coming up next with Stormy and Matt, and she just asked a simple question, and then there was a whole lot of consternation on her part. She just, <laughs> Stephanie just asked,
5: who are the Patriots? And like, And then your retort was? You know, you guys have lost four games. You know, I grew up in Cleveland. The Browns have never been to a Super Bowl. Outside of Probably the Lakers. I don't know any sports franchise that's had a better run in the pro ranks than what the uh, the Patriots have had over the last twenty years. Mm. I mean, you know, the world's coming into an so end. So you're, you're like, hey, New England, suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> right? Well, they've got a championship in all four sports. If you're a kid who grew up in, you know, in the last two decades, it's been unbelievable. The rest of us have just struggled. You know, it's, it's kind
4: of like Yankee. I'm not saying that Steph is like Yankee fans, but yeah. like Yankee fans are like, oh, we haven't won in so long. Yeah, exactly. Like, like long-suffering Yankee fans? Like, does that is that really a thing? Do we have to cry now for the Patriots because now they're finding out what life is like without Tom Brady?
5: Exactly. Right?
4: And Stephanie well, no, just said, she just said, I never said any
5: of that. She's totally she's, she's, cr- she's correct on that. But let me tell you something. There's when you have certain teams, like when you're Alabama, yeah. you can't complain about ever. Having, yeah, you can't ever, ever complain when you're New England. You can't complain about this. So, stuff. You, so your point is basically Stephanie can't walk in here and say, w- who
8: are the Patriots? 100%. Yeah. There's
5: just that's offensive to 31 other teams. It's out of line. I think we've shown it as an example of what not to do. I mean, listen, look, they lost one game on Monday Night Football because a, because a running back beat them at quarterback.
4: We're going to have Tim Doyle here, and I believe Timmy is ready with us. Of course, does a great job on NBA TV and CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter as I do, at Tim Doyle, double zero. Tim, tell the people – oh, my God. There, he's already got the money bag out. The shades are fantastic. Timmy, tell the people why you had double zero and why you chose to wear a number that nobody wears.
3: David Namal, thanks for having me on. Um, Not first time, not long time either, but uh, big fans of the show. Uh, I wore double zero because people would remember it. You know what I mean? Like, kids now go to Northwestern games, and when they step onto the field there at Ryan Field or the Jim Walsh Ryan Arena... Double Zero is immortalized. No, no, no. Not the rafters. Willie the Wildcat is like this. Like He's the creepy mascot who smells. I don't know why they don't wash the mascot uniform, but all but once a year. It's like one of those One. I actually knew one of the Willie the Wildcats. And it was like big top secret stuff because Craig Sager, rest, God rest his soul, he was one of the Willie Wildcats. Whoa. But like, but like a buddy, like – Kind of slept with Willie the Wildcat, oh. and it was like, whoa! You, you and Willie the Wildcat made it. It was like a big deal. <laughs> Double zero is
4: now lives forever. Timmy's old number again, not retired, but now the the mascot it lives on in effigy.
5: Well, well, first of all, I'm a big Tim Doyle fan. I I just wish people would recognize your greatness on the college basketball court because I think you'd be a big star at NBA TV. I don't understand why you got to sit behind the Dwayne Wade's of the world. I think you're far more entertaining. No question I'm just telling you. And by the way, the gambling knowledge, I'm not a horse better, but this guy I understand is pretty good at Arlington Heights. We'll
4: have you back on. Oh, yeah, except when Timmy and I went, I don't think we ever cashed a ticket. That's a story for another day, though, Tim. I want to get your thoughts a week into the NBA season because you and I talked a little bit before the season began and it seems like so far you've been pretty locked in. What's your biggest surprise that you've seen so far in this young associated season?
3: Yeah, I guess the biggest surprise so far is you look at some of the undefeated teams, right? The Utah Jazz. You start going through the roster there. It's like Willie Mays Hayes, their point guard. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk, their small forward. Like, how are they undefeated? And then if you watch the Trailblazers last night, because I did, David. Why? Because you and I... We got the hammer out, and we hammered the Nuggets Woo! under 52 on the year. Trailblazers are undefeated. Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, they're out there making shots. And, you know, the only thing is when you bet under for an entire season, <laughs> but you in a bad mood. It's like going to a wedding, and you root for divorce. famine, <laughs> death. Droughts like you just you root for bad. Like, I was hoping like Jokic like fell over during the game. Like, it's a horrible way to kind of go through an 82 game season, but so far, Nuggets two and two on the year in the games that they've won. They've shot 35 of 72 from three in wins in their wins this year. It just doesn't seem like they can keep that up throughout the course of a year. First of all, love the analogy of
5: going to a wedding and rooting for a divorce. That's why I always say people should register at a bank. It just makes everything a lot easier for everybody. <laughs> you know, don't worry about the gifts and having to send the box and the nonsense, that nobody you gotta wants. You got to give the gift. Who wants the the Who wh- wants the candlestick holders? Nobody. I mean, is that to whack the spouse? I mean, what else is that for? Nobody ever is using those things. And on top of you mentioned the nuggets here. By the way, Jokic will always be my all-time top 5 favorite players for the shot that he laid on Morris. Well deserved. Wow. I wish he was just out longer. That's the only difference. But, guys, when you talk about this Portland team, I love Shaden Sharp. This guy could have been the first pick in the draft. Nobody's seen him play since high school. Dame just hits
3: shot after shot after shot. I think this team could be sneaky good in the West here. Uh, What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I, I, I really wasn't sure where the organization was going them all because, right, for so long we had watched that backcourt of Lillard and McCollum, like, be really good in the regular season, get to the Western Conference Finals, knock it over the hump. And I was just wondering, like, you know, is Dame time? Is the is time out there? But, um, yeah, I mean, they're when they make shots, and they made a ton of them yesterday, that was really my biggest concern with Denver, and this is my last thought of the Nuggets. Um, they struggle to guard. Jokic, I, I love him as an offensive player. I think he's the modern-day Larry Bird. But, man, he does not guard great. Michael Porter Jr., not a great defender. Jamal Murray does not have the same explosion. So now when you go by one of them, now everybody gets in the wheel And you got wide-open shooters, and that's exactly what happened for Portland. But honestly, I had picked the 76ers coming into the season, oh, God, because I figured (laughs) – I don't know who's saying this. It's now or never. Like, if you don't win it this year, like, you ain't never going to win it. Like, you got Embiid at 28 years old. He's at the prime of his career. Harden took less money. He stopped eating, like – he, he, he's going all in. Like, if you don't win it this year, like, I don't think you're ever going to win it. They're off to a one and three start. And Dave, you're not sold on Doc Rivers. Maybe Doc needs to be kicked out of the old sideline there.
4: You and I have talked about it for a long time. He's he's the Vinny Del Negro. Vinny Del Negro is Doc Rivers, just minus the title that, he, that Doc had in Boston. That's it. That's why everybody thinks he's... Oh, the great Doc Rivers is going to save the Clippers. Remember that? Lob City didn't work out very well, right? He he gets out of there, and now he's going to Philly. He's a disaster. I mean, Timmy, this team, how in the world – I know it's one and three. I know it's early. But you're right. If they don't win it now, don't you have to look at the head coach and
3: say, what are you doing? Yeah, I I think you do because talent-wise, they went out and added some really shrewd pieces. Like, the one thing they were missing was toughness. You go out there, you had P.J. Tucker – you had Montrezl Harrell, you had Anthony Melton. Uh, Tobias Harris paid uh, – Tobias Harris is paid like a top you know, two-player on a team. He's, what, your fourth-best player <laughs> after Maxie, Harden, and Embiid. Like, the pieces are there, you know, and they, their schedule is kind of hard to start the year. You know, But you know, they matched up against the Bucs, and they, they lost on opening night on the road at Boston. So, you know, they've played some tough games, but they are not off to a great start. But is it this simple – is the season over? Because when I watched the Warriors and what they did against the Kings on Sunday night when they scored oh. score 100 points in the first half, I kind of go like this. I think everyone's looking up at Golden State. I would agree with you. I thought it was a pretty good
5: spot coming off that loss against Denver the other night to bounce back where the Nuggets almost blew that game. They get the easy win against Sacramento. Got to ask you about a team that everybody talks about at length. I just find it so entertaining, so that's why I'm going to ask you about it. you got the Lakers and West Brick. <laughs> you've got Anthony Davis, and you've got LeBron James. When does one of these guys get shipped out of there? Or does LeBron say, I need help, and I need to be shipped out of here myself?
3: Yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever watched basketball knows that this wasn't going to work, right? In order to pair the right guys around LeBron, you have to have the right shooters, guys that can defend. Why would you bring in Russell Westbrook, who dominates the basketball? This was like a disaster. Guys, their over and under on the season was 44 and a half. (laughs) How possibly could you have over in that spot? So, you know, like... This team is amazing. In 2010, I was amazing. I was still out there, like, dancing. I didn't have three kids. I didn't have a minivan. Like, none of my chest hair was gray. Like, life was good in 2010. But this team now, like, this team is old. This team is fragile. This team doesn't. How about this? I met Dave Ross right before I was married. So he has seen them all. I know the old maturation process, you know what I mean? From a boy, a ball and a dream (laughs) to now a man with a minivan and a a bankroll that my wife looks over my shoulder. So he's watched the whole metamorphosis in my career. I've seen it full circle them all. It's an amazing transformation. I I will say one thing, having
5: uh, not had an opportunity to meet Tim in person. I will tell you one thing. This guy would be an absolute riot to hang out with. There's no question oh, about can, it. I There's like attest. a 30% chance you're going to probably get arrested. There's a 60% chance you might wind up in a five-person orgy. This guy's just off the chain. I mean, you never know what's going on with this guy. It is true, except for Amal. If you do go out with Timmy D and you
4: have the, you put the credit card down to get the first drinks, be very, very careful because Timmy will run up your tab for the rest of the bar without your knowledge.
3: You know, Amal, Dave and I were going out one night, okay? So we're going out for beers. And then he goes, all of a sudden, he's got a date. He brings a date out. What is it? What he you rolling the music? Is this the Academy Award? <laughs> the, <laughs> the great Tim know. Doyle, everybody.
5: Follow him on Twitter. We're going to have to get the rest of that story <laughs> next time.
4: We will do that, Timmy. Hammer the under nuggets. Great stuff, as always. When we come back, we're going to put a wrap on this edition of Big Bets here on Visa and the sports betting network.
7: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: VSIN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Basketball season tipped off last week, so did all the basketball promotions on Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is your place to go for the latest odds, lines, and unique promotions. Like our weekly same game parlays, place three or more same game parlays each week to receive a free $10 basketball free bet during October and November. Go to BetRivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app today. It is a whole new ballgame. A blast having Tim Doyle on last segment talking all things NBA with Timmy D. Uh, I know that you also, as we talked about, you know early on in the NBA, maybe some things to look at. Like the Lakers do look like they are lost right now. The Trailblazers are a surprise at four and zero. NHL, you've also been paying attention to what's been going on here in the early part of the season. And I think you have a play tonight that you like in the Stars and Bruins game. What do you have, my
5: friend? Yeah, I like this game under between the Bees and the Stars. I was surprised it was not a five and a half. It comes in as a six, Dave. Here you got Jake Ottinger, who's been tremendous, giving up five goals and four appearances so far. Four and zero for Boston, Excuse me for Dallas. On the flip side, Linus Ullmark in net, four and zero as well for the Bees with a two point two three against Dallas on a back to back. They played last night in Winnipeg. A little bit of a distance there on travel here. Uh, in this one for the start. I'm sorry, they played in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Winnipeg was uh, the Blues and the uh, Jets last night. But uh, I feel like this is going to be a tight defensive game and I'll tell you, these are two teams that are going to be there in their respective conferences all year long. I think they're going to both have great seasons.
4: You know, the bees got off to that almost every game early on was going over, yeah. right? Do you see this kind of falling back a little bit and people falling into that kind of recency bias trap of, oh, the Bees are now an offensive team. Maybe I need to place them over. Do you think tonight is one of those spots
5: that they come back down to earth a little bit? I, I do. You know, look, they had the game against Minnesota. They give up a goal late. They had a 3-2 lead, in the, and they give up the goal late. Wild tie it up. They win that one in overtime. They had the high-scoring game against Ottawa, who's a far-improved team this year. Even against, uh, we, we saw a high-scoring game against the Capitals, which is to be expected. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a game where you've got to avoid going on the penalty kill if you're either side. And you've got to play five-on-five hockey and take your opportunities when they present themselves. Great goaltenders. Looking forward to this matchup tonight. Should be a really good one. All
4: right, so that's six uh, is that pregame total right now. Mall likes the under uh, in that game Uh, between the Stars and the Bees tonight in Beantown. I do want to get back to Major League Baseball here in the World Series as we're getting closer and closer to the start of that series here. We talked a little bit about it in in, uh, hour number one. Again, it's not going to start till Friday. Do you think there's going to be any line movement that we really see? Do you think they're going to stay pretty flat? Because right now in game one here, uh, the Strohs right now are about a minus $1.70 favorite. Again, we were going for Philadelphia here, plus $1.45. Feels like good value there. The total at six and a half. Between Verlander and Zach Wheeler, uh, that just a little bit to the over minus the dollar twenty.
5: I'm seeing. Do you think these numbers are going to stay pretty constant as the week goes on? I, I think it's going to come down a little bit. I think you're getting too good of a pitcher in Wheeler for this price. And again, Justin Verlander has pitched well. Pitched well in his last uh, game, but he has not been great. Wheeler's been dominant, mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference right now. When you look at it, uh, for me, with the Phillies at a plus price here. This is such a crucial game. I do feel it is a more important game, number one, for Philadelphia than it is for Houston, because when you compare the rest of the pitching staffs, I think Houston has a decided advantage once you get past the aces, where I think Philadelphia has the edge.
4: Again, we're not going to belabor the points here, certainly on the futures market here, for people that might have had some plays uh, before this World Series is set to begin on Friday. But would there be spots here that if you think Wheeler is playable in game one, which I agree with you, that I I looked at the Phillies here, and I think with – everything they've got going for the mojo and their ace on the mound and Verlander not being his best guy that you can manipulate the market a little bit and come back on the Astros after game one. Or do you still think, all right, the Phillies one, two punch is, is pretty
5: much right now on par with anybody else's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I feel like they've got a shot. The concern I still have is the bullpen. Houston's got a decided advantage. One of the best bullpens in baseball Now you're going up against a team that's done a tremendous job in the postseason, but can they do it consistently again against an elite team in the Houston Astros? All
4: right, so there might be some spots there that if you like the Strohs, we kind of talk about this a lot, certainly in the futures market, where you can hold, right? Because, look, if you look at the – like, let's just say in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, after those three losses, inexplicable losses to the Giants, Jets, and Commanders, you go, well, maybe now is the time to hop back in on the Packers at three and four. no. Look at their next couple games. They are over double-digit underdogs this weekend in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. And then they got the Philadelphia Eagles. So this is not the spot, even though some people might think it's a buy-low spot now in the Packers. It's the same idea here with, with the Strohs. You don't want to buy in on the Stros now. You kind of want to wait and see what happens in game one against Wheeler. Back to the Packers here. I mean, look at the schedule coming up. So you're going to have here, you're going to have the Bills here. At the Lions, you would think would be a winnable game. And then the Cowboys come calling the Titans have got the good foot on and there's that Eagle game. I alluded to here. I might not want to hop in on the Packers per se until they get to the third part of the column of their schedule where it looks like you think it's winnable against the bears in Chicago, the Rams. We don't know what they are and
5: the, and the dolphins, but this is not a good spot in the futures market here necessarily to hop in on the Packers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's a real challenge. You got Buffalo looming on Sunday night in orchard park, 11 and a half point dogs. Woo. oh. I mean, uh, you don't see Aaron
4: Rodgers catching those kind of points.
5: No, uh, I'll tell you never have. Never. No, not with Rodgers, but uh, what was Rodgers' first year playing? Oh, Two, boy. We got to <laughs> go back. Seven? Well, he was drafted in '04, 4 right? Yeah, it's yeah, still a couple years for the far, but, but uh, right. There was a game against the Patriots in '07. 7 They were catching, I think, 16 or 17 on Sunday night football. They, they lost the game by seven. Um you know, so to me, it, this is a big number, though, to be laying against the team right now that's like a wounded animal.
4: Well, exactly. Again, I know we, we talk a lot about teasers on this show. No. If you can still find that 11 and a half, maybe maybe will play up to 17 and a half, just because we are anticipating the Packers somehow figuring it out. If you heard Aaron Rodgers speak, what does he always say? It, you know, he always does the relaxed thing. But his thing now is when things go south, and they have gone south in, in the in the north there in Green Bay – he says it's because they've gotten too complicated and they have to simplify things.
5: Well,
4: and, and to his point, to Aaron's point is that would be run the ball more and your defense. We don't talk about that Packer defense, which we all thought would be a top five unit. It has not been so far this year. Is it as simple as Rogers makes it out to be?
5: They got to dummy it down and get back to basics. Well, you know, I'm going to defer to him. You know, he he's an intelligent quarterback. He's had tremendous success in this league, but You know, the one thing, if you look at it, and there's two organizations that I thought really missed opportunities with their great quarterbacks. The Indianapolis Colts won one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. and I thought the Green Bay Packers have missed some opportunities here with Aaron Rodgers. They should have won more than they have. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get things turned around enough, but this is a team that's had ample opportunities last year in the postseason. The defense was tremendous. The offense couldn't get it done against the 49ers. Their back is against the wall. What are they I mean, what are they, three and four? Three and four. Looking at potentially three and five. Maybe they get things turned around. You're playing, in my opinion, the toughest team in the NFL on their home field coming off of a bye. <laughs> does I not mean, feel
4: like a good recipe.
5: It does not, but I just wouldn't discount Rodgers and this team. And in the NFL, look, outside of the top four teams and the bottom four teams, and I don't really think there's a clear cut bottom four right now. Usually to me, teams five through twenty-nine, or excuse me, five five through twenty-eight are usually one or two players and plays away from being just a re- role reversal in a game. It does feel like, Kelly, what, what do you got on this one? I friend? was going to
6: say, according to some guy named uh, Frank Schwab over oh. at Yahoo Sports, uh, first Start time first time, Aaron Rodgers, double-digit dog, biggest dog he was before, eight, eight and a half at the Seahawks in 2014. Okay. Ooh. Wow. Getting eight and a half to let Russ that was legion
5: of Yeah, that was the Legion of Boom time. But, you know, you know, I couldn't remember who was the quarterback there in 07. It might have been Matt Flynn mm. in that game L.S. against L.S. the Fines. Patriots. Uh, but, you know, to me, when you look at it, this is a big number, but it's hard right now with the way you look at Josh Allen and this offense operate – it seems like it's going to be a challenge for uh, Green Bay to slow them down.
4: You know, again, and I, I look at the Packers, and I know everything's going to go back to 12. He's the reigning, defending, two-time league MVP. But the defense has really let them down very quickly in the final minutes that we have here. A quarterback that I don't think anybody's talking about, and for I don't know why. We're all going to throw the barbs at Rodgers and Brady and Lamar Jackson if you want because as a former MVP. Why does Matthew Stafford fly below the radar with his performance so far this season? He's been a train wreck. They're coming off a, a buy as well. And now they get Jimmy G coming. And we know that one boy genius likes to punch the other boy genius right in the face. And that would be Kyle Shanahan to Sean McVay. Is it going to happen again after sure what feels we like saw it. with the Niners last week, though? Because I look at Matt Stafford, I go, dude, stop looking down. Hang in the pocket. I know you're a made man. You've won a Super Bowl and you got paid. But it feels like sometimes the fat cats just kind of mentally check out. I'm not saying that's what Matthew Stafford's done. But right now, I don't see the same guy that I saw
5: last year trying to win a Super Bowl. I don't disagree with you, and I think you're right. The uh, criticism should be a little bit more on him, but it hasn't been. I think when you look at the Rams, though, look, not taking anything away from their Super Bowl win. I thought if they had to go to Green Bay, they weren't going to win. Now, they did win at Tampa. I thought the 49ers kind of cleared a path for them. They got to host the NFC Championship game. They got the ring. Everything worked out well but I just don't think this team is particularly good. I think it's still a cheap price on the 49ers to win the NFC West. Yeah, it's hard to back the Rams right now. Again, plus $1. ten If you think
4: they can get it done uh, in this return revenge spot against the 49ers, our pro tip for hour number two was a great conversation. We had about the coach of the year debate in the NFL, and it is a fun market. When you, you really want to look down the, the board a little bit, and we understand why the short favorites are there, but be careful of taking really long shots because normally those don't come to fruition. It, again, a narrative driven award that's out there it is not a a quantitative award it is very subjective yeah. out there unless you want to back mike mccarthy at 35 to 1 just kidding Donate, was donate to a local charity. Our pro tip for hour number two, those are for VEASAN Pro subscribers. You can access those at VEASAN.com. Sort them out by show
0: and or by show uh, or by sport. Appreciate them all. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.